Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. If you enjoy The Huddle, please take a minute to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. I'm Patty Scalzo, Director of Diabetes Technology Initiatives at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're speaking with Megan Coder, the Executive Director of Digital Therapeutics Alliance, and are discussing digital therapeutics and their role in the care of the person with diabetes and other chronic diseases. Megan will provide details about what a digital therapeutic is, how they fit into the healthcare ecosystem, and what we can do to provide support for our people with diabetes that currently utilize or that could benefit from the use of these tools. So glad to be here. I really appreciate you inviting me today. Can you tell us a little bit about Digital Therapeutics Alliance? So our group came together um, in early 2017 and officially launched later that year really with this goal of bringing together individuals across this industry that really has a history, but is really still evolving. And really, our goal was to try to identify, let's just talk about what kind of technologies a digital therapeutic even is. Let's identify some principles in the industry to really ensure that there's high quality across all of these products. And then how do we really work together to help educate those who are still trying to learn how to use these, how to prescribe these, how to really engage with them in a meaningful way? So that has really been the start of DTA's work and has really carried us through even today. That's great. And, you know, ADCES is a member of Digital Therapeutics Alliance, and we're happy to be there to represent kind of the work of the clinician and the care team in this area. So, Megan, what brought you into this area in the first place? What got you interested in digital therapeutics? Well, even just going back to the point you just made with ADCES being involved as a member, I think it's so important to have this clinical clinician's view from really helping us understand how do we integrate the clinicians into every aspect of this. So there's so much work for us still to be done yet, but it's really been great working with your team. And from my own background, I am a pharmacist by training. So I really came up in the healthcare ecosystem for quite a few years and then um, eventually moved more into this policy side of the industry to really try to understand how can we make these high-level decisions that would really impact in a positive way many patients across the board, whether it's at the state level, the national level, or even international. So all of that to say, my work had brought me into this space from the policy perspective. And when I was living in France uh, for my husband's role, actually, I was able to really interact with a lot of these different digital therapeutic companies, learn what they're doing, really understand their passion and involvement in this industry. And then everything just came together so perfectly where I was able to really help launch this new initiative. And 
makes it fun is that we're really helping create the foundations for a new industry. So it is a part of the healthcare ecosystem and the healthcare process. But when it really comes down to it, we're really developing a new industry together. And that's been really exciting to really define what is a new category of medicine and how do we do it and how do we do it well. That's so interesting with your work in France too. So would you say that the digital therapeutics landscape is different from one country to the next? So when you look at it, with looking at DTA, we have about 40 member companies across 15 different countries. So at the base foundation of all of this, we're really looking to ensure that there's consistency in terms of how these products are developed and manufactured and put out to patients and how they protect patient privacy and security and really enable clinical care to evolve. That said, from a regulatory standpoint, there are incredible differences. Um, Mm -hmm. Same with the payment standpoint. Uh, You may have a single-payer system in Germany or Japan, but then you come to the United States, and it is not a single-payer system. So there's just a lot more nuances that we're trying to address, but really at the core of what a digital therapeutic is, that is consistent across all national boundaries, which I really have appreciated seeing. Oh, and you know, you hear all these terms like digital therapeutics, digital health, digital medicine. What what does it all mean? How do you keep it all straight? (laughs) So I think the best way to try to describe this at a high level is digital health is kind of everything that is digital and health. Uh, There are many more nuanced descriptions out there and definitions, so I highly recommend those instead. But under digital health, which is health and wellness and all these other things, sits digital medicine. And digital medicine is the subset of digital health. And digital medicine are those products that will either measure or intervene or monitor a patient. So really, once you cross into the digital medicine territory, you're really looking at products that need to do clinical trials to demonstrate safety and efficacy of the product. Digital therapeutics is a subset within digital medicine, and we're really at that level, that intervention component. So when you have the other products that are on that monitoring or adherence or diagnostic side, we are that really on that therapeutic intervention component. That said, we have to interact with all of the other technologies too to create more of that ecosystem impact. So they're confusing terms sometimes, but I think it is important. The notion again, uh, and I've said this before, but the idea that patients know that even if two medications kind of look the same. They come in a similar color. They can still do two very different things. And I think with digital, patients don't always understand that digital can do many different things too. And so when you look at monitoring versus diagnostic versus a therapeutic, it's really important for them to understand what value they're looking for from the product and how they should best engage with it. That makes sense. So when you think about a digital therapeutic, I guess I've heard it said that a digital therapeutic can be used in place of uh, medication sometimes because it's more that behavioral approach with some of the digital therapeutics. Is that true? So that is an answer looking for an entire spectrum of a response. Digital therapeutics can work perfectly alongside of a medication or alongside of an in-person delivered therapy they can work to your point in place of sometimes, but they're also able to start to fill holes that medications may not be able to fully address on their own. So the notion that I can use a medication to address a very targeted aspect of a patient's condition, but now I can pair with a digital therapeutic that adds another, either another level of treatment or another nuance of therapy that you weren't able to have access to before. So 
I think a digital therapeutics more is more of the holistic therapy that's really broadening the opportunities. But in some cases, you may start digital and move to medication or start with the medication and move to digital or start them together. So it really depends on the specific technology and what its indication of use is, and then its setting of use, and really how it works with all the other therapies that are part of a clinician's toolkit. That seems like it would be a perfect tool to use in somebody with a chronic disease that has a lot of things going on. So true. Yes. (laughs) So how do people with diabetes, for instance, clinicians, payers, all the different systems, how do they all interact? How do they all communicate that this person is using a digital therapeutic and how long they'll be using it for? And how does the communication occur between all these groups? Yeah, so I think one of the points that really is important to bring up here is the idea that a digital therapeutic does deliver an intervention to a patient, but it does at the same time generate data in real time and gives insights back to the patient and back to the clinician. So I think that is a critical aspect where clinicians now have access to understanding when is a patient using the therapy? How are they doing with it? What kind of trends have they been seeing? Are they moving in the right direction? And then how can we use that data to really optimize the patient's therapy? So there is a duality of the digital therapeutic does need to deliver its own intervention. It's just part of its definition of what a digital therapeutic does. But then that utilization of data is important. And We are in a situation, I think, that we have been for a while where there still are many point solutions and individual platforms. And we're starting to see more of a convergence of those into either more of a harmonized notion or built into EHRs or other types of health systems. But I would say that that process is still fairly early and there has to be a lot of evolution yet to really get to that point where it's really fully integrated as a digital therapeutic with all the other therapies that a patient will be engaging with. Yeah, that kind of brings me back, Megan, to when we were talking about medication reconciliation and how maybe when we're asking, you know, members of the care team when they're meeting with a client, really we should be asking not only what medications are you taking, but what digital therapeutics or what holistic measures or what apps or, you know, just really getting a a good idea of all the different things they might be using to help manage their condition. I think that's an excellent point. I mean, I do recall even back in pharmacy school that we were always told to say, what kind of OTC products are you using and what kind of herbal products or supplements? The notion that digital therapeutics could have a drug DTX interaction is actually very possible. If you have someone who's using a digital therapeutic for sleep or insomnia issue and also taking a medication at the same time, maybe that's actually not the appropriate methodology of therapy. In terms of diabetes, that notion of, hey, you're using insulin for the first time. I see you're on this product. Let's talk about that. Let's see how you're benefiting from it. Are you actually getting the full use from it or other broad broad technologies in the digital diabetes space? Um, So there's so many questions that a clinician can ask in terms of what is it doing for you? How are you engaging? Is it actually meaningful to you? And what kind of outcomes have you been seeing? And use numbers in that process, not just, are you feeling okay? Because that's a really great place to start. But you have so much more that could be available to you in terms of data and ways to really enrich your engagement with your patients. Yeah, that's a good point. And knowing how many types of digital therapeutics there are for the various conditions, are there any commonalities amongst all the digital therapeutics that that we should be aware of? (laughs) So... I would love to say there's an easy answer to that. At the 
simplest baseline, we're really looking at products at the definitional level that are using software to generate and deliver a medical intervention to a patient. And that intervention has to make the claim to prevent, manage, or treat a disease or disorder. As such, all digital therapeutics have to undergo clinical trials. They have to generate real-world evidence and real-world performance outcomes. They're subject to regulatory oversight. They have to have, um, in the United States, ideas like HIPAA and in Europe, GDPR for patient privacy. So there are commonalities, but in terms of the actual functionality, there's such a broad range. You have products that will deliver cognitive behavioral therapy. You have those that will actually directly impact neural networks, those that deliver therapy through a video game format, those through virtual reality format. So it almost feels like it's... uh, easy to say that the possibilities are endless, but really when you're looking at all of the disease states that are available to be optimized, uh, there's a lot of ways that digital therapies can really deliver these types of interventions. So commonalities at the foundational level, but at the functional level, really there's there's a huge variety for clinicians really to dive into and engage with. Which is great because I guess you can tailor something for everybody, really. You could probably find a use for most people for this. What about like AI and ML? Are, what, are, are these things being used in digital therapeutics? Increasingly so. So there are a number of products that are embedding these into the product. When they, for example, go to FDA for a clearance, that is obviously a component of a digital therapeutic products review. There are some, though, that still will use more of a static algorithm that's still personalized to the patient in terms of what the patient's inputs have been and what other readings from other wearables or sensors have been. But AI is increasingly growing, and uh, the FDA has recently put out a guidance related to their oversight of AI and ML um, in the context of therapies such as digital therapeutics and other products, too. So uh, it is a component, but it is something, though, that I think clinicians can take confidence in knowing that digital therapeutics have, again, been subject to clinical trials, have to have peer-reviewed journal availability so they can actually read what is the product doing and how did it perform. But then there's those ongoing metrics in terms of, is the product actually delivering on what the promises were? Are the patients really responding to it in the right way and using it the right way? So all of that, I think, is a way that clinicians can really look to, to really ensuring that the product is doing what it says it should be doing and really ensuring that's delivering its fullest impact. Makes sense. What about challenges and obstacles in the use of digital therapeutics? So there's a couple. Um, Given that this is still a relatively new industry and there have been legitimate digital therapeutics on the market for at least 10 years now, but as we're evolving the industry, there's still a lot of questions from the payer side. And more specifically, it's just the categorization of this. So when you look at private payers in the United States, for example, they are much more willing and able to actually create these frameworks to cover and provide access to patients for digital therapeutics. On the public side, the rules for Medicare and Medicaid were written far before digital therapeutics came onto the scene. So at this point, there's really no true benefit category that recognizes digital therapeutics as they currently stand. So that's an issue that we're trying to figure out in the industry right now. Of how do you actually provide access to patients covered by public funded programs? Whereas on the private side, I'm sorry to say, there's much more access and ability there too. So I think that's just one example in terms of just even coverage and access to patients and their abilities to actually utilize these products. And so do some commercial insurers cover digital therapeutics here in the U.S.? 
Most definitely. Uh, there is an increasing movement toward adding digital therapeutics onto digital health formularies. Uh, so the notion that there's so many digital health products out there and digital medicine products and increasingly digital therapeutics. So the idea that payers are starting to undertake formal reviews of these products, looking at their evidence and security and privacy and interventions that they deliver, really looking at which are the right ones for the patients. Um, because again, these are therapies meant for the right patient at the right time. So having this kind of a formulary review makes a lot of sense. So we're seeing more movement there. And then we're also seeing employers really taking this into consideration and covering these products for their employees, um, again, for the right patients at the right time. So we definitely have been seeing quite a bit of movement in that space. Oh, that's great. So when you have, you know, knowing that most people with diabetes see a primary care provider and uh, maybe an endocrinologist, maybe, uh, you know, another specialist, how do all these different members of the care team work together to design a clinical pathway for someone who's utilizing a digital therapeutic so that data is getting to the people who can use it the most and really use that to make a difference for the care plan for that person? And this is a brilliant question with an answer that still is early in its evolution. So when we're looking at this, I think you bring up an excellent point. Not only would a clinician in some cases need to authorize or prescribe these products, but there's going to be many other individuals on the clinical care team who are going to be involved in it. So while I think some products may have solutions already built into some of these ideas uh, to really enable this notion of how do I connect with my pharmacy team, my dietitian, um, and all these other individuals who are touching my care, I think a lot of it still has to fall to the health system too. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't quite know. But there is this level of how do we work within our system to ensure that our patients are delivering a holistic care once they're on this therapy? How do we enable access? How do we get access to the right clinicians at the right time really to preserve that privacy but make sure that that care continuum is still there. So I do see it as a balance. And I think that that balance is still um, fairly early in its evolution. And I do look forward to seeing that holistic notion really evolve in terms of who's aware, who's engaged, and who's there to really optimize that care on an ongoing basis. Yeah, definitely probably more to come on that. Because I know, I remember working with a person with diabetes who was using a digital therapeutic, and they really felt like they were getting conflicting advice. Um, the digital therapeutic company was suggesting one thing about their insulin dosing, and another mm. provider was suggesting something different. And so I think it was confusing to the person with diabetes. It's a hard situation for a patient to be in. So that notion of really trying to align care is critically important and finding solutions and encouraging manufacturers and other companies supporting these to really be a part of that discussion is really critical. And I, I hope that they already are proactively in there doing that. But I think each system is still so unique also that we've seen in the United States that a lot of this has to be homegrown in many cases, even though we can have a broader framework to work from. A lot of this is still probably really based in terms of what does our practice want to do and how do we want to run this in the right way for our patients? For sure. And I know for us, you know, as, as diabetes care and education specialists, we really see ourselves as advocates, very strong advocates for our people with diabetes. 
So when we see someone who has had really good success with a digital therapeutic, it really makes us want to show that to someone else and let them know about what a wonderful tool this has been. So where do you think we could fit into the advocacy space for our people with diabetes to help make sure they're getting what they need to do their best? In many ways, it's a chicken and egg notion where uh, sometimes I've heard from various payers, hey, it's going to be hard for us to do this until we really hear from clinicians that they really want this. And once we know that they're interested and really want to pursue this, then we will definitely take this up with a lot more rigor and passion behind it. But then you also have clinicians not always being made aware of these until someone who is more of that decision-making standpoint at a higher level from that PNT or other evaluation process can bring it into a clinic and say, hey, there's this opportunity here and here's how we can make this available to patients. So it is a partnership that has to be formed to figure out who's really taking on the lead for which areas in terms of, is there someone who's on that scouting side for technology? Is there someone who's going to really be in that leadership side for identifying these opportunities? And then Someone also who can say, hey, this is great for patients covered by this plan, but we have to recognize that patients under this plan have no access, and here's how we can really engage with that plan to help educate them of why something like this is so important. So again, going back to that last notion, it's this massive idea around partnerships and really collaborating to have that open communication around these types of ideas. Well, it certainly sounds like there's an exciting future and a very solid place for digital therapeutics in the management of chronic disease. So I'm looking forward to the future. What do you see as challenges for you know greater adoption and greater use in the future of digital therapeutics? So when you look at clinicians' roles, I see that being a really critical component where clinicians right now have really great insight into what's going on with patients, but it could be enhanced so much more by these types of products and not just digital therapeutics alone, but all these other types of sensors, wearables, monitoring diagnostic products, clinical decision support, all of them. So I really am excited to see what can take place. But um, again, it's just that notion of how do we get to that end goal and how do we evolve toward that? So that is just one thing. It's just really bringing clinicians into the discussion and bringing patients into the discussion, really giving them the power to take this conversation on and run with it. The ideas we talked earlier too around um, on the public side, I think it's really hard for me to try to figure out of how we as an alliance are trying to help on the legislative, the national level with creating a new benefit category. But if patients under Medicare, Medicaid don't have access to these, then that's a major issue for a disparity where other patients on the private side do have access to these. So I think that idea around creating this new benefit category or helping Medicare, Medicaid programs recognize these types of technologies and really integrate them into programs can really start to help Um, hopefully enhance the health of many different populations who currently don't have access to them. Um, And then also on the commercial side, just that uh, really idea around how do we help educate around how do we evaluate these products? So if all these different pharmacy and therapeutic P&T committees are taking these on, how do they have a consistent approach to evaluating these? How do they know what questions to even ask of, sure, I definitely know how to evaluate a medication, but a medical device, that's different, even though it works alongside of a medication. So there's just so many things for us to still explore. But the good news is I have seen a lot of collaboration and a lot of will toward this. If we really want to do this. We want to do it well. Let's figure it out together. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, 
on the side of the person with diabetes, how can we as the diabetes care and education specialist help them figure out if their commercial insurance plan has any coverage at all for the digital therapeutic? Are there any that are available without prescription that they could private pay for? Oh, no, that's interesting. So there are non-prescription digital therapeutics and quite a few of them. Some of them may be directly payable by patients, but by and large, even the non-prescription ones I've seen have generally been covered by an employer, payer, PBM, or something of that nature. So I think there is that ability for clinicians to even raise awareness to say, hey, do you know that this product that I've used with my other patients, I think it could benefit you. Let's find out from your payer together about that. There are others that are already built into electronic health records. So in theory, in theory, it could be the case where when a clinician is looking for different treatment options, that this would just drop down into that patient's profile in terms of the real-time benefits uh, verification. So there are possibilities where this may already exist, but there is that idea too of let's actually go to your plan and find out or go to your employer and see, is this part of the benefit and how can we make it so that it would be? Thanks, Megan. This has been so interesting. So in thinking about what we've talked about today, what would you consider to be three practice pearls that members of the care team could use if they want to get involved and make a difference with digital therapeutics? So I think for the first point, it would be just that simple recognition, which isn't always so simple, that digital products can have a wide variety of indications, a wide variety of uses and intended um, purposes in a patient's care continuum. So just even educating yourself around what even is this? And in terms of a digital therapeutic, there's different kinds of digital therapeutics, some that will treat, some that will manage, some that will prevent a disease. So just understand that landscape, I think, is a really first good step to take as a clinician. From there, I think the notion then goes into for a second idea around assessing who's a good candidate for each product. So the idea that not all patients with diabetes may be the right patients for a digital therapeutic. They may not be comfortable using a smartphone technology. They may not have the interest in actually using this. So getting that sense, first of all, of just, does this seem like a good fit? And then will it benefit you? And what have the studies shown? And how can we really demonstrate that this is going to work for you? And maybe you start a patient on it. And then what's that assessment going forward? And then I think the third step really comes back to our earlier discussion around that real-world data, making sure you get access to that insight in terms of what have the 30-day trends been, the 60-day trends, the 90-day trends? What are any patient-reported outcomes in terms of triggers or issues related to hypo or hyperglycemia or anything of that nature? And then using that to really apply back into optimizing therapy, I think is really critical for any clinician involved in this space. Thanks, Megan. And I know we talked about some additional resources to include here with the podcast. And also, I, I want to make sure to point out the Digital Therapeutics Alliance website as well, because that is a really good source of education and information about digital therapeutics also. Did you have any additional resources or any additional thoughts you wanted to share, Megan? I think the notion here is don't be shy. Don't be shy to ask questions. Don't be shy to do a little quick digging on some background research. And don't be shy to reach out to some of these companies directly. Many of them have lines set up to actually engage with clinicians directly and answer questions about the product or onboarding patients or whatever the case is. So I think that notion about we're all digging into this together, we're all pursuing this together, it's still new, it's evolving, it's exciting. But really being a part of this discussion is really critical for all of us to hear your voice 
and really know where we need to take the next steps as an industry and then also just at the individual patient level too. Well, thank you, Megan. It's been wonderful having you as our guest here today. We've learned a lot. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for the work you're doing as a team, and I look forward to being a part of it in an ongoing way. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today, we heard from Megan Coder, Executive Director of Digital Therapeutics Alliance. Megan provided an overview of digital therapeutics, including benefits of and challenges to adoption and use, as well as helpful suggestions of what members of the care team can do to assist people that are interested in utilizing a digital therapeutic. Please be sure to check out the show notes for additional resources. Membership at ADCES gives you access to the education, networking, and resources to improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Find out what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.